0: I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom for listening to every episode. Now, my mom is the real reason you're listening to this show right now, but the sponsors have a little something to do with it as well. So I'd like to thank our sponsors too. Cleo, TimeSolve, Alert Communications, and Scorpion. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things your law firm can have. And Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com.
1: It's the Legal Toolkit with Jared Korea, With guest, Brooke Lively, a round of number one fans. And depending on how this episode goes, maybe we'll just become a cooking show or something. But first, your host, Jared Korea.
0: The Legal Toolkit Podcast is right now, like literally, this second. Yes, I'm your host, Jared Korea. Richard Dawson was unavailable, so you're stuck with me. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys. Find us online at www.redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads. You can find out more about Gideon at www.gideon.legal. Before we get to our interview today with Brooke Lively, I want to talk about a rock star with glasses. No, it's not Cub Coda from Brownsville Station. You probably feel like you know Warren Zevon, But if I asked you to name a song that wasn't Werewolves of London, could you? That kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. I'm rolling with it, though. Maybe Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Maybe Excitable Boy. Did I have to remind you of those? Now, Werewolves of London and those others, too, are great fucking songs. Don't get me wrong. But that's only the tip of the Warren Zevon iceberg. And yes, many, many of his songs are even more sardonic than werewolves. In fact, Warren Zevon was so far ahead of his time, time is still catching up to him. He wrote a biting satire of life in L.A. among the rich and famous, in which a gorilla switches places with him. He lives in the zoo, and the gorilla gets a good psychologist. That's Gorilla, You're a Desperado. He wrote a song about software integration, In 1989, that's networking. Thomas Dolby, hold my beer. He also wrote a song about a headless ghost who haunts violent conflicts across the decades of the 1960s and 1970s. That's more Washington Irving than Susanna Hoff's, for sure. And that's Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. Yes, that's the actual title of the song. And now I'm beginning to understand why Warren Zevon never really got popular. In fact, if it wasn't for Werewolves of London, probably nobody ever would have heard of Warren Zevon. One of the reasons Werewolves of London took off, in my opinion, is that people viewed it as a novelty record. But the twist was that the novelty was the whole act. Warren Zevon was never going to build an album around a boy-meets-girl concept. Instead, he was far more interested in bacterial infections in cows... Yes, that's a real thing. That's in a song called Play It All Night Long. Or the Opal Mining Rings. Yes, that also appeared in a real song, Mr. Bad Example. This is not exactly fair for top forty radio. Warren Zevon partied with Hunter S. Thompson. He was David Letterman's good friend, and he subbed for Paul Schaefer leading the house band when Schaefer was absent doing Paul Schaefer things. He was buddies with Jackson Brown, but he also made fun of him and the part in his hair in some of his songs. And you get the feeling that he was probably also pissing on his front lawn when nobody was looking. Or maybe even when people were looking, depending on how much gin he had in his system. It was almost as if Warren Zevon was accidentally, like a martyr, led into a club that he never belonged to. In fact, he probably wrote a song about that very theme. Actually, most of his songs are about that theme so probably 20 plus years ago now i saw warren Zevon play before a small crowd in boston at the house of blues on lansdowne street i uh, don't go looking for it it's closed it was a small enough crowd that you could hear everything and this one drunk asshole from the crowd kept yelling play werewolves so warren Zevon refused to play the hits good for him much respect to my guy The end of Warren Zevon's career, including that House of Blues performance, and maybe his whole career, right, was kind of rough. He had substance abuse issues. He was a rake in the traditional sense, not the gardening tool, but he was probably involved with some hoes along the way. And he never really got all that mainstream or sold many albums. At late stages in his career, he was playing in bus stations. So I know what you're thinking. Great. Now we can all rediscover Warren Zevon and the redemption arc can commence. Unfortunately, Warren Zevon is dead. So, another twisted, cruel item, just like some of the stuff that goes on in his songs. Warren Zevon actually died of mesothelioma in 2003 at the age of 56. And you know that. That's the keyword that all those law firms spend thousands of dollars bidding on in Google. Uh, Ironically, the album Zevon released months prior to his diagnosis was called My Rides Here, On the album cover, he was sitting in the back of a hearse, and he called the work a meditation on death. See, always ahead of his time, even in a morbid way. Uh, Before he went out, though, he recorded one last album. It was called The Wind, and it featured some of his richer, more famous friends like Bruce Springsteen. The Springsteen song called Disorder in the House actually won a Grammy for Best Rock Duet, and The Wind was nominated for three more Grammys. It was a magnificent album. There was a small surge in Warren Zevon nostalgia, and then it was all gone. Like The Wind. The Wind came out 20 years ago, and still, most people can't name a single song off that album. Uh, There's one famous cover you will definitely know, but you'd be guessing if you hit it right. When asked about his mesothelioma diagnosis, Warren Zevon said, it might have been a tactical error not going to a physician for 20 years. He was funny, brash, cutting, right to the end, even when it came to his own bad choices, which is what a lot of his music was also about. Now, I would love to see Warren Zevon get more recognition, because I think he is massively underrated in the history of music. He's just so unique. No one quite did it like he did quite so well. But there's probably not enough critical mass for the giant box set or remastered set of recordings and demos to come out. Of course, that doesn't mean that you can't spend some time listening to the non-remastered works that are available. Start with the Spotify playlist I've made to associate with this episode. It's linked out from the show notes, and I'm calling it Warren Zevon Favorites. So, spend some time this week in splendid isolation with Warren Zevon, And remember, enjoy every sandwich. Now stay tuned, because we're about to bring out our guest, Brooke Lively, from Cathedral Capital. Brooke and I are going to talk about some financial management best practices for law firms. That's next. But first, let's take a moment to listen to the Clio Legal Trends Report Minute.
1: Did you know that three out of four lawyers are meeting with clients virtually, storing firm data in the cloud, accepting payments online, and nearly two-thirds of law firms support electronic document sharing and e-signatures? I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer-in-residence at Clio. Beyond the necessity of these technologies in the past year, their value in saving lawyers time and money, while also increasing client satisfaction, cannot be understated. For the first time, we've seen lawyers adopt new technologies to a degree that we've never seen before in the history of legal practice. What was once a competitive edge has now become a baseline in the legal profession, and you do not want to be left behind. To learn more about these technologies for free, Download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O.
0: Okay, it's about time to get to the marshmallow shapes amongst these lucky charms. Let's interview our guest. My guest today is Brooke Lively, who is the president and founder at Cathedral Capital. Brooke, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I am awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, this is going to be really fun. So, I have a confession to make. Uh, when I first started talking to you, I know your name is Brooke Lively, but I kept typing in Blake Lively, the actress. <laughs> Do you get that a lot? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, was on- I had to correct myself like a million times.
1: <laughs> I was on an airplane one day. And I could see the two flight attendants like talking to each other and kind of looking at me. And I'm like, what have I done? And so finally one comes over and she kneels down beside my seat and says, okay. So my friend and I were talking. (laughs) It's always a bad start, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And she thinks you're Blake Lively. I'm like, if only I were that young, that rich, that thin, and married to Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I'd be <laughs> ecstatic. Uh, but on a flight manifest, I show up as lively comma B.
0: That's really funny. I see. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm glad I'm not alone then.
1: Oh, God, no. All
0: right. Let's get to the law stuff, the serious stuff yeah, What yeah. people are listening for, maybe. So you help law firms out with financial management. And we we've been talking about this a little bit. And I think you have some really great insights here. So I want to ask you a few questions on that. So let's start with 2020. A really weird year, right? (laughs) So a lot of law firms We did. (laughs) We we learned a lot. And I bet a lot of law firms are thinking, like, was this just a blip? What can I carry forth from 2020 that's actually going to be useful to me moving forward? Like, what does that look like for you as someone who advises law firms on
1: finances? I think law firms really kind of got in touch with their financials this past year. When The PPP started. All of a sudden, they had to have a ton of information to file for the PPP to apply. And a lot of law firms figured out that their financials were a mess and they needed a different bookkeeper or they needed a bookkeeper, period. And so that, I think, was the first thing that people learned, that there really is a lot of value in having clean books and having the ability to pull financial reports quickly. I think the other thing that people learned or did was get a little more in touch with their expenditures. Which ones were really necessary? Which ones were actually had a good ROI, return on investment? What was going to generate more revenue? And what things did they have that were superfluous or not really useful, or, you know, were an ego trip? Like office space? (laughs) Something like that. So we have talked to clients that are getting less office space. We've also talked to clients that are getting more office space. A lot of people think that the real estate market is going to be heavily impacted by this. And we've got a couple of law firms that we work with that are negotiating for additional rent at a time when they feel like they've got the upper hand.
0: Right. Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Are there other expenses you've seen that people are dropping or are overspending on?
1: I think there are always some expenses, kind of like that gym membership mm. that you apply no for. no one ever uses, and, and especially now. Use. <laughs> yeah, I think, they've, I think law firms have figured out a lot of those. I think they're doubling down in some interesting places. Mm. The first one is marketing. Because you can't go out and market one-on-one as much anymore. You can't go out and... It's it's harder online on Zoom to create those referral relationships. Totally.
0: So they're shifting that money to other buckets is what you're saying?
1: They're shifting it to online. And mm. with Google starting LSA, the local service area thing... Yeah,
0: which I don't think a ton of attorneys are taking advantage of yet. Yeah, maybe you see it oh. differently in terms of your clients.
1: They really should. You know, yeah. we had... A firm in Atlanta. Now, granted, she's dumping a lot of money in, Mm. but she's PI. She's getting as many cases in a week as she used to get in a month. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, can we tone that down a little? We're not sure we have the staff to work these cases.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because a lot of the talk you hear about the pandemic in law firms is like retrenchment and Mm -hmm. they're trying, they're kind of waiting it out. But you're actually seeing firms conservative law firms, yeah, probably making bigger moves. I love it that law firms are like starting to market in different ways. A lot of this stuff is overdue, frankly,
1: absolutely. and you know, let's be frank here. we work with law firms that want to grow. We work with firms that have goals that aren't happy with the status quo that are really run by entrepreneurs and So they're always looking for that advantage. Where can we do something? Where can we move forward? And the other thing I noticed was a lot of firms are always kind of on the edge on cash. Like cash is just always kind of sort of tight. Yeah. And with the first round of the PPP, with your payroll being paid by PPP, it freed up cash. So these Mm -hmm. firms have a cushion that they may not have had before And they may have freed up some money that they can can spend on marketing or spend on this new rent. They've kind of, you know, if you can take that cash and deploy it effectively, that's going to make a huge difference in your firm.
0: Right. And that's the rub. Can you deploy it effectively? But at least you have it. Absolutely. Well, let's turn the subject a little bit because, uh, frankly, I'm kind of sick of talking about the pandemic, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So... One thing you do a lot, which I really like, I'm a big believer in like data analytics, is you're focused on reporting, you're focused on KPIs for law firms. I know you've done a lot of work in this space. So if I'm a law firm that's just getting into that kind of thing from an accounting standpoint, what are some of the important financial KPIs I should be looking at?
1: So I had someone ask me one time, I was in an EO meeting, entrepreneur's organization, and they said, okay, you're on a fabulous desert island in a five-star resort, no phone, no internet, no TV. Sounds great so far. I know, doesn't it? (laughs) There's a supply boat that comes once a week that drops off new guests and all the supplies for the week. And the captain can give you a piece of paper with three pieces of information on it that will let you decide... If you can stay another week or not. What are those three pieces of information? Hmm. And I'm like, three? These people are on crack. I can't do it on three. <laughs> and I took it back to my team. And over a couple of years, we really worked with this. Is it three, five, seven, 42, 18? And we came up with six.
0: It's pretty good still. Only double.
1: <laughs> yeah, double. I don't know. A bit reasonable. Yes. And so four of the numbers are forward-looking, and two of them help you get back on track. So the first one is a cash flow forecast. We all know that cash is king. And a cash flow forecast tells you how much money you're going to have at the end of the week, every week for the next six to eight weeks. Mm. And that really is the first thing you need to get under control. That's how much helpful. cash do you have? and Are you looking at a cash crunch? Is your cash flow forecast red? Do we need to do something? The second number we look at is WIP, work in progress. Because this month's WIP is next month's revenue. So are the people in your firm billing up to their goals? Are you working enough this month to be able to pay all your bills next month? And there's Mm -hmm. nothing better than that moment in the month where you realize that you've got enough in whip to cover the nut for next month right. everything else is gravy.
0: Right, then you just nap, right? No, yeah. no, you keep yeah. working, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: you grind out a few more hours. Um, the third one is sales calls.
0: Not something that a lot of law firms focus on, by the way.
1: No, how many sales calls have been booked? Because by knowing how many sales calls we have booked, You tend to know how many become clients. But this month's sales call is next month's new client is the month after that's revenue. So that shows you you're starting to be able to look further and further out. Mm. And the last forward-looking number that we talk about is net new cases. And this is cases opened minus cases closed. And what this does is really looks at the caseload of your firm. Or the caseload of a particular attorney. Mm -hmm. Because if we have an attorney that can handle, say, 30 cases, and you're adding net new 10 cases a month, that attorney's going to be maxed out in three months. Yeah. Yeah. So by looking at your net new cases, you can see your hiring needs coming up six and eight months in advance.
0: Yeah, I love how you do this in terms of like forward-looking metrics because I think when it comes to finances, most law firms are looking backwards. But you've they also are. got some useful backward-looking metrics as well, right?
1: There are. There are two. The first is your budget versus actual report. You can find it in any accounting software. And first of all, can, hey, can I go into my whole budget rant?
0: Yeah, go. go. This is a place to rant. I okay. just ranted. Now you can rant.
1: Budgets suck. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants a budget. It's all about what you can't do and limitations. We like profit plans. Ah, I like that. That sounds so much better. Oh my gosh. We are entrepreneurs. We are all about the possibility, not the prohibition. So we have thrown out the word budget. We use profit plan because what is better than sitting down and planning for the profit you're going to have this year? Hmm. It's a beautiful thing. I have not been able to convince any of the major accounting software companies to change to my verbiage. (laughs) So we (laughs) got to go with theirs. You're
0: fighting the good fight, however.
1: (laughs) I am. I'm trying really hard. So so yeah, the budget versus actual report comes right out of your accounting software. And it puts what you actually did last month against your profit plan, what you thought you were going to do. And it allows you to get back on track. It's just like, you know, when NASA fires a rocket off to the moon, they don't just say, go here and never check it. They're constantly adjusting. And this gives Mm -hmm. you the ability to adjust.
0: Yeah. That's a great analogy.
1: The last number is owner compensation. And here's what it is. Here's, Here's my thing about owner compensation. You are taking a lot of risk as the owner of the firm. Mm-hmm. and we need to make sure that you're getting paid for that and getting paid for all the different jobs that you're doing because you're probably practicing law and you're running the firm so mm-hmm. you need to you need to get paid and i think the question that people ask me the most is how much should I be spending on my people? How much should I be spending on marketing? How much should I be spending on? How much should I be spending on? And I think really what they're asking (laughs) is how much should I be spending on so I can figure out how much I should be taking home? Yes. So we really monitor that owner compensation number to make sure that you are getting what you need. Because if you're not getting what you need at home, you're not gonna be in a good place to run the firm.
0: Right, and I think- owners of law firms, especially, they view themselves as like, they have this martyr complex almost, like they're the last person to get paid. So changing that perspective, I think, is really important.
1: It really is.
0: That was a great set of metrics. Okay, so we got about two minutes left here. Give me your quick thoughts on accounts receivable because budgets suck, but accounts receivable also suck. So how do you avoid that as a law firm, as best you can?
1: Okay, so here's the thing. AR is created the first time you ever meet a client. It's created in the sales call. The way to eliminate AR is to set expectations in that meeting and back it up. So here's what we say. Get an initial retainer equal to about three months. And here's why three months, because they hire you in April. You work all of April. You send out a bill on May 1st. I don't care what the hell your bill says. <laughs> they think they have 30 days. So Right, right. All right, wait. Do we we hired in April, we build on the first of May. So now you're working all the month of May. They think it's not due until the end of May. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So first of June, you send out your invoice. They are now just thinking they're past due and you start <laughs> collecting. So it takes about three months to figure out if you've got a deadbeat client or not.
0: Right. It's a great point.
1: The second thing you want to do is have a evergreen retainer. So most cases are busier in the first three months, and then the workload drops down. So you want to keep an average of three months, Mm. just average work. And people always ask me, they're like, dude, why do I have to have... An evergreen retainer, if they've already proven, they'll pay. I'm like, because they'll stop paying at any time for any reason, (laughs) and it really has anything to do with you.
0: Right. And for those who don't know, evergreen retainers, essentially you get this number that you just get the client to top off on a recurring basis.
1: They keep $6,000 or whatever it is in the trust account at all times. Right. Okay. So if they don't pay their bill, you need to have a stop work policy. And it doesn't have to be difficult. The best one I saw is totally low-tech and cheap. They went to Office Depot, bought $2 worth of red rubber bands, (laughs) and they would just throw it around a file when it was – if they haven't paid their bill, it's red rubber banded. And so it was really easy for them to kind of negotiate that internally.
0: Yep, Yeah.
1: However, I don't want to give any client the option of not paying. And so one of the key things you need to do is take payment – timing out of the client's hands and put it into your hands. Hmm. And we do this by inserting a paragraph that says, we are authorized to charge your card, usually 10 days after we send the invoice, unless you dispute it. I love and that. then they sign a credit card authorization form. And this really came home to me. I was at my best friend's house on a Sunday night and we walked in the house and she opened a drawer, which she could barely get open because it was stuffed with mail. She takes it out. She starts opening it. I'm like, Martha, what is all this? And she said, well, it's about six weeks worth of mail. I'm like, dude, what about your bills? She's like, oh, I pay everything. You know, everything's like auto pay. These are just one-off bills and junk mail. So she goes through it all, ends up with a much smaller stack, which she then shoves back in the drawer. Oh, like, of course. what is that? She's like, well, that's what actually needs to be paid, but I've done enough work on this tonight, so I'm not going to do any more. <laughs> okay. Attorneys, this is what is happening to your invoices. I promise. Yes. And if, you're, if you are if say, oh, no, no, I only work with businesses, it's not much better. Yeah. They're never going to pay in the first check run of the month because, hello, they think they have 30 days to pay. And then they get to the end, and they're going to add up everything they owe and see how much cash they have, and you may or may not get paid. So- Take payment timing out of the client's hand. And then really the last part of this Mm -hmm. is do it all in your fee agreement. The state says you need to have a fee agreement. You might as well have a contract that benefits you. (laughs) And if you put these things into place, if you then have the procedures in-house to make sure that... The evergreen retainer is being topped off. The credit cards are being charged on the on the tenth or the eleventh. All those things. I gotta tell you that the average, well, according to the legal trends report, which I think is totally wrong, the average collection rate. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) The average collection rate is eighty six percent for twenty twenty in the US for law yeah. firms. yeah, I think that, I don't know. You think that's
0: high? You think that's low? Yeah,
1: I think they're putting contingency firms in there that like once they settle, they always get paid because no uh, one can figure out why it's so stinking high. I've talked yeah, to I a think, ton I of think people. I think it's probably
0: lower too, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, I think it's 75 to 80%. I can so see by that. by doing those things, you can pop your collection rate up over 90%, which means you're getting paid for work you're doing. And you're getting just a ton more money. That's always
0: good. So let's end there on a ton more money. I like that. So that was Brooke Lively of Cathedral Capital. She makes finances fun. But we're not finished with Brooke yet. She'll be back in a moment. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Oh, God. (laughs) As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both Spanish and English. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com /ltn Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they loved drafting invoices for clients and chasing overdue bills. At TimeSolve, our attorneys have the tools to achieve a 97% collection rate. That means more revenue for the same work and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. Welcome to the rear end of the legal toolkit. We call it the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics of my choosing. Brooke, you're into numbers. So today we're going to play a little game I invented. It's called number one fan. Uh Uh-oh. So your job is to settle a longstanding, culturally divisive debate. Whichever way you answer, people are going to hate you. But let's leave that aside for now.
1: (laughs) Okay, can I get off this show? I don't know that I signed up for this. (laughs)
0: You're going to love it. Trust me.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you some options. You're going to give me your opinion. I'll give my opinion. And then I'll tell you what America thinks. Okay. Are you ready? Are you are you ready to try?
1: Yeah. All
0: right. We'll play around. You'll pick it up quick. Okay. Brooke, which do you prefer?
1: Hamburgers or hot dogs? Oh, burgers. A hundred percent.
0: Burgers. Okay. Me too. Like, I like hot dogs as well. I'm probably, you know... I'm willing to admit I like hot dogs, even though they're like chicken lifts and all this stuff. But um, I, I really love, like a hamburger done well is mm-hmm. fantastic. And you're in Texas, so you probably got really amazing hamburgers oh, down we've there, We've got too.
1: some great burgers. Though I will tell you, my family does like hot dogs a lot. In fact, okay. my parents will drive down the street to the QT gas station on Friday <laughs> nights, and they will get hot dogs. They say they have the best hot dogs ever. But uh, I
0: mean, yeah. There are some good dogs out there.
1: Yeah. Give them the choice. They'll also go for burgers.
0: Interesting. My dad was a giant hot dogs fanatic, which may have contributed to an early passing. So my my dad used (laughs) to eat so many hot dogs that literally like the week after he died, the hot dog plant that he got hot dogs from closed. Uh So that's a man who loved hot dogs.
1: That's a lot of hot dogs.
0: However, do you want to know what America thinks? Sure. Okay. Last year, 2020 there were 20 billion hot dogs consumed by Americans. And hamburgers, 20 billion is a lot. Hamburgers, 50 billion. So more than two to one. So you're right aligned with America. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that we're eating combined
1: 70 billion hamburgers and hot dogs a year, (laughs) but we'll leave that aside for another time. Well, hot dog consumption was probably down because you couldn't go to a baseball game.
0: That's probably true. Okay, so we'll have to get those stats in 2021, 2022, see what they look like. Are you ready for your next culturally divisive issue to resolve? Yes. Babies versus puppies.
1: Oh, man.
0: (laughs) By the way, if you've seen the movie Boss Baby, this is the entire plot of the movie. Who's cuter, (laughs) babies or puppies? (laughs) Okay.
1: Let's see here. My nephew who is a baby, spits up on me all the time. That's the downside. Yes. Um, They do snuggle better. Ah, true. None of them stay young enough long enough.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to go with your own puppy or somebody (laughs) else's baby.
0: Oh, that's a good answer. Okay, way to equivocate. This is a very, like, legal answer. That's what a lawyer would I was going to say, say, did I mention I work with lawyers? <laughs> right, right.
1: I'm the daughter um, of a lawyer, the niece of a lawyer, the sister of a lawyer.
0: Because my kids are in earshot, possibly, I'm going to say children. However, <laughs> in private, I might think differently about this topic, even though I'm allergic <laughs> to dogs.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm allergic to, like, a bunch of things, including, like, pretty much any animal that has fur or hair. Now, Gosh. do you want to know what America thinks? Sure. 34% of parents prefer their pets over their children, (laughs) according to a 2019 study. (laughs) So even people who have actual children like puppies better. (laughs) All right. We got one more question for you. All right. So we've got a lot of this going on right now. The... Justice League movie was just out on HBO. That was a big deal. There's a lot of Marvel shows on Disney Plus right now. So another culturally divisive debate. Which do you prefer, Marvel movies or DC movies?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm totally out on this one. I have so no you're gonna idea. So you going to pass?
0: I'll answer I'm going to
1: pass because okay. I, don't, I don't watch those movies. I did like Iron Man. That was a good one, Okay. which so may have been the last superhero movie I saw.
0: That was like 10 years ago. So I'm going to put you in the Marvel camp for now. Okay. Because you're going to be right. You're going to be three for three. Americans actually overwhelmingly prefer Marvel movies to DC movies. 47% prefer Marvel. 11% prefer DC. And the rest of America, which you're aligned with, is don't know. So you're hitting like (laughs) the massive percentage here. So well done. That that wasn't too bad, was it? No. Okay. Good. Well, Brooke, thanks for coming on today. That was great. I really appreciate it. You were fun, you made finance fun, not an easy job.
1: I, You know, I figure that finance is something that people have a lot of apprehension about and a lot of fear around. And I'm like, guys, it's just numbers. And so I try to be as entertaining and as real as possible.
0: <laughs> it's a great message. All right, thanks for coming on again. We appreciate it. Now, for those of you listening in Chugwater, Oklahoma, I know you're still out there. Our Spotify playlist for this week's show, as I mentioned before, features the best of Warren Zevon. So listen up and slow yourself down. Our guest today has been Brooke Lively of Cathedral Capital. For more information about Cathedral Capital, go to cathcap, that's C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. It looks like we're sticking to legal and we won't become a cooking show after all. Now, that'll do it for another episode of Legal Toolkit Podcast, where we live in a world in which Cousin Oliver never, ever joined the cast of The Brady Bunch.